Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. What does Jesus mean by this when he says these words? I think there's a probably a familiar pattern. Maybe you've seen it in your life as well. Um, and it kind of goes like this. You have someone who you care a lot about, someone who is a loved one, maybe a friend or a family member that you've known for a long time. And at some point in their life, on some area, they, they make a decision that they're going to live a certain way that's in conflict with Christ's teachings. And maybe they grew up Catholic, they grew up in the faith, but there's this part of their life that they just kind of go their own way. And maybe it leads them eventually to just kind of disowning the faith. There's different gradations of how that plays out. But oftentimes what happens when, when someone like that, that we care for deeply, has that experience, we are sometimes affected by that. That person um, has a pull on us, and so sometimes, regrettably, we too change our perspective or our stance on that uh, teaching or that belief, and um, because of our care and love for them, and because of the, the challenge that we have in trying to hold that tension between loving them and at the same time um, holding against what they have decided in their life, it can, it can cause us uh, internal struggle. What do I do in this situation? And so sometimes we kind of go with them when we start to change our, or we alter our stance on something. And that leads to a, a little chink in our armor, and then eventually sometimes that leads to other accommodations. And eventually sometimes our fidelity to Christ is more of an idea than a reality when we look at how we actually believe, how we actually live our lives. So I think we probably all have anecdotal evidence of those kinds of situations in our lives. Um, for me, uh, one story you might say is I grew up with a family um, from a very young age. That they had the parents and they had six kids and one of the kids was my age. So we were best friends growing up, still are friends. Um, and I still love these people dearly. But at some point when I was in college and then in seminary, uh, they kind of turned their back on the church. They sort of went away from the church, um, partly because of the church's stance on different things. Um, I think at one point that the marriage issue amendment was going on in our state, and that was a kind of a, a big uh, turning point for some of them. Not that any of them lived that lifestyle, but I think just their, their stance on those things. So there were different areas where I always knew that they had a little bit different perspective uh, than, than my family did or that I personally held. But I still love these people and I grew up with them. They're like my second family, you might say. And so to have them kind of go away from the church or have different stances on social issues was a difficult thing for me to kind of go through. What do you do with that when you have someone like that in your life? Um, I think there was, you know, the pastor we had at, at the parish where I grew up at the time was a little bit uh, challenging for them. He was maybe perhaps a little insensitive to their concerns or their desires um, or their stances on different things. He was a faithful priest in, in the sense that he was faithful to what the church teaches, but I don't know that he had a shepherd's heart when it comes to trying to work with people who are struggling to, to see eye to eye with the church. And so they felt driven away by that experience. Uh, I would say also that they're a very intelligent family. They're very intellectually uh, gifted, very um, proud in some sense. You know, they're, they're opinionated. 
you might say. Um, and so sometimes trying to have discussions with them, with them on different things was challenging. Um, and my, my nature being what it is, and I think my family in general, we're a little bit more like, well, we'll just avoid that because it's very uncomfortable. So, uh, so things develop, right? Um, for them, the church's stance on things, it's more of a, they saw it more, I think, as a human institution, and therefore, if it didn't serve its purpose in their life anymore, they just sort of cast it off. This, this is no longer helping us. Rather than seeing the church as Christ's body and recognizing there are members within the church that, have, that are, we're all sinners, right? We all struggle, but there's some of us at times who have done damage to the body of Christ in different ways, and so... Um, you know, everything going on in the church the last 20 years, I think there's been lots of reasons why people could say, you know, we got problems here. So um, it's a struggle, though. It was a struggle for me. I love these people very much. And, you know, I went through all those stages of like, well, surely if I just, if we just have a really good discussion about this issue or these issues, I can help them understand um, why, it's, why it's this way or why things need to be a certain way. Well, that didn't work so well. Uh, surely they won't leave the Lord. They have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with our Lord. Surely they won't turn away from his church out of frustration with the church's ministers or the church's stance and different things. Well, that didn't seem to hold any weight either. So, uh, again, this struggle, sometimes feeling anger. Why, why are they so stubborn? Why can't they see past um, their own perspective? Why do they have that view? I think the brokenness and the failings of the members of the church are sometimes the excuse people have to, to turn away from Christ. So how do we remain faithful to Christ? Um, how do we remain faithful to his church? And what does that look like for us in these relationships where we feel this strain or this, this tension at times? Of course, we have to love Christ first, right? His call today, uh, if we don't love him above family, uh, parents, children, we, we have to put him first. And sometimes that's difficult. How do, I, how do I do that, Lord? And at the same time, I think we're called to love these people, right? We can't just turn our back on them or sort of cast them over the boat and, and say, well, because they have this stance or this position on social issues or moral issues or what have you, I'm just going to put them aside. We can't do that either. So it's kind of like this, this difficult place of, not being swayed by their viewpoint, out of love for them, I, I'm drawn to their perspective or I listen to their perspective and I can see where they're coming from, but at the same time, I can't ascribe to what they say. So there's that challenge on that one side. And on the other side, it can be tempting just to kind of, again, throw them out and say, I'm done with these people. They're, they're a constant uh, struggle for me and I, I don't want to deal with that. We look at the life of Jesus and what Jesus did and how he lived Right? He calls us uh, to be like him. Jesus calls us to receive him wherever he's present to us. And that means in our brothers and sisters, uh, both those who we agree with and those who we disagree with at times, and to, to stay with these relationships, whether it's a friend or a family member. How do we receive the Lord? It's not so easy. So nothing is worth turning our back on Christ. Right? We have to remain faithful to Christ in how we live, what we believe, uh, how we order our lives. That's what we're called to as Christians. So it means to be a follower of Jesus is to say, I'm faithful to you, Lord. I'm faithful to you, whatever the cost, however that looks like in my life. So we have to walk that line.
But at the same time, I think we can look at Christ's own life and see that he, his, uh, you know, oftentimes we think of taking up the cross, we think of our own personal struggles, my own sinfulness, my own brokenness, my own challenges in life, uh, whether it's disease or uh, financial struggles or whatever. We can see those personal crosses that we're carrying, but there's also an element, I think, uh, of a communal cross, like my cross might be, I have this person I really care for and love, and yet they are not following the same path that I'm following. How do I stay in communion with them? How do I remain with them in the midst of that? Jesus carries his cross. He dies on the cross for those who uh, reject him, who, who actually turn away from him, who, who do not ascribe to him as Lord. And he lays down his life for them too, not just for the faithful, but for those who are unfaithful and gives them an opportunity, hopefully, to repent or to turn back or to have uh, some place of mercy in their life. So Jesus suffered loss, the loss of his own life, out of love for those who did not love him in, in return. So I think sometimes, I think that is where the Lord calls us to be faithful, to carry our crosses in those uh, relationships, those people who we really struggle to have um, have the same mindset or have the same moral view or Christian view or Catholic view. Those are people we're called to be in communion with or to strive to, to love. And sometimes that is a cross. It is a carrying of the cross. And so uh, let's remember Jesus' words today, not just in a personal manner, but also in this more collective sense that sometimes carrying our cross means loving and, and staying as best we can in, in friendship and love with those who we really, really struggle with, uh, who are close to us. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me.